Hello there, I'm Beth Kempton and this is the Freedom Seeker Chronicles. I created this podcast as a place to explore some of life's big questions and the smaller details that lead us towards happier, more fulfilled lives. I love nothing more than a thought-provoking conversation with a fascinating person who's living in accordance with what matters most to them. And I'm delighted to share those conversations with you. As for me, I'm the founder of Do What You Love, which helps people find what lights them up and pursue that in work, business and life. You can find out more at dowhatyouloveforlife.com. I'm also author of two books. Freedom Seeker is a book about making the most of life and flying free, and that's out now. And then Wabi Sabi, Japanese wisdom for a perfectly imperfect life. That's available for pre-order from our friends at Amazon and all good independent bookshops. I wrote both of them for you. And so, are you ready? Let's dive in. My guest today is Lilla Rogers, one of the world's top art agents who happens to be both a badass business lady and a deeply intuitive spiritual person. Lilla is a brilliant example of blending the two and she credits much of her three decades of success to trusting her gut. Lilla's love for art led her to a hugely successful illustration career in New York in the 1980s, but it's the entrepreneurial gene that she inherited from her parents that led her into the agency business. Her agency, Lilla Rogers Studio, has sold art for products worth over $200 million. But what I love most about Lilla is that she is a true champion of women, especially those in business. Personally, I'm honoured to call her both business partner and friend. Full of sparkling gems of wisdom for living a creative life and making a living from it, from someone who's been around the block and back again. I think you're going to absolutely love this. Lilla, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so happy to be here with you, Beth. Oh, I'm so excited about this conversation. For those people who don't know who you are, which probably isn't many because you are everywhere on social media, you're amazing on Facebook Live, you just give so much to your community of creative people, mostly women, but also men in there as well. Um, and you shared so much with the world. But for those people who don't know um, about you, tell us, how would your friends describe you? Um, eccentric, kooky, driven. Maybe they'd say I'm funny. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, an entrepreneur, an artist. And how do you yeah. think you want to be known? Oh, boy. At this stage in my life, which I'm going to probably say a lot in this podcast, it's about being a, giving back, mentor, teaching, guiding, helping. You know, I wake up in the middle of the night and I think about, I really want to tell my followers this. They, they need this. I, and this is, how can I explain it to them? in a way that they can use like that's an obsession (laughs) (laughs) thank goodness for the rest of us that that's an obsession I mean tell us a bit about the different stages of your career because one of the things that I respect and value most about you is how you know you've you've been around the block you've seen and heard a lot of things you've experienced a lot of things in business and in life and you're always pretty calm because you've 
you know, oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> you've been there before in many cases, and and not in a like tired of life way, but a don't worry, it will be fine way, um, a really reassuring way. So I'd love to hear a bit more about the stages of your life and and really what you what was the priority at each stage and kind of what you've learned along the way. Wow. Well. First of all, whoa, thank you so much that it comes off that I seem calm in every in every instance. Um, because, well, you know, where do I begin with that question? Um, I What I've really enjoyed about my career, and I'm on like my fifth thing, teacher, illustrator, agent, and now e-course person, and all, really all of the above – what I really love is, is like, I do like the next bright, shiny thing. <laughs> like I do, you know, and I like new vehicles for my passions, really. Isn't that what we all want? We just want to like, we want to get paid for what we love to do. But we also really want to like, we, we want to really get obsessed with something that we're good at and just be able to produce that whether it's e-courses or art or or whatever it is um and i i think that's the drug isn't it aren't we all little addicts in a way (laughs) (laughs) i love that behavior you know when i i think when i was in high school or college i'm like okay lilla like, I get you. I'm on to you. You need to focus. You need to focus on art because otherwise you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Like, you need to focus your energies in a really productive outlet. So that's it. And I love it. Love the vehicle as kind of a way to look at it because that shows that there's often a real thread through our lives even if we don't necessarily realize it at the time and actually what we're changing is the vehicle through which we're kind of interacting with the world um in terms of that theme i really love that so so just if you think back to the kind of transition point between any two stages in in your life how do you know that it's time for a transition how do you know and and is it a, a, a slow gentle evolution or do you find you have major pivots and something tells you you need to do this now. Wow. Well, it can be as I can be a little bored. I can be less passionate. I can see something that really, like, so it was about six years ago or seven years ago. We met at the Creative Connection event, and I was just hearing about e-courses. And I knew I wanted to pursue that. That just was like the next bright, shiny thing for me because I love teaching. And to be able to have all those elements with e-courses, like you can interact with your students, you can do videos, you can write stuff, you can put pictures up. It just sort of was teaching to the like X squared billion, you know, (laughs) so many different fun things you could do with it. So, um, I kind of follow the fun. I follow the, what excites me. And it's really about listening to my body more than my mind in a way. And I can, um, if, if the idea of something makes me tired or if it makes me excited 
in my body. And I think because we're also in our heads and intellectual and thinking and hunched over computers, it's really, to me, it's all about the body. And I think women are particularly well suited for this because we're so much about, you know, we've got periods and we've got childbirth and breastfeeding, like so much of our life is body, even if you don't have kids. And we're just made in some ways, maybe, to tune into our bodies. And I think to listen to your body when you're excited. And, and so, um, and, and this, this is about style, too. You know, people ask me, now I'm totally segueing, um, but people ask me, like, one of the number one things people ask me is, how do I find my style? Like, you, you know, style is maybe the same word as brand, but it's but in art we call it your style and that's your distinctive look so how do you get that like everybody wants their distinctive look and style and really isn't that the purpose of being here on this planet is to figure out who you most deeply truly are and i what i love about art is when you when you work through that process in your art you're just becoming more and more truly who you are. You can't fake a style. Well, I guess you can copy somebody, which is really bad and wrong, but but to have your own unique, authentic style is about tuning into your body over and over, tuning into your passions. What do you love to draw? What material do you love to paint with? Do you love ink? Do you love watercolor? Do you love the color red? Like once I did a painting, I'm like, I just want to do a painting with a six-foot by three-foot painting with blue, all the different like blues, cerulean, um, and all the, you know, French ultramarine and ultramarine. And there's a lot of different blues. <laughs> so, um, it's really about obsessing in a productive way. And that's how you find your style, which is about passion, which is about what you should do in life. Cool. Did that there's a lot in there. <laughs> it's it's sparked many more questions for sure. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Huh. Yes. Um, first of all, I want to know, so when you are creating a piece of art, how much of it is in your head and how much was it in your body, especially when it's a commercial piece of art and you have it, you're making it for a specific client? Mm-hmm. So when I was an illustrator, um, when I would get the assignment, I knew when I would work on it, like I would schedule it. But so much of it was the real estate in my head, my thinking time. So beforehand, and I do this when I write the courses too, like a big portion of it is the thinking time away from the laptop before I sit down. So I will visualize with a piece of art and I would wait till I found something really exciting about it. What, what did I want to explore? It's almost like a scientist. So with the blue painting, it's like, what if, so what if I just used lots of blue and black line? What if, what would that be like? What would it look like? Would it work? Would it not work? And to come to it with this, like, like an explorer, like a scientist, like, a challenge, like some sort of thing that interested me. And um, I did another one called Big Red, and it's even bigger, and it's red. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so you you know, you can do like a series. But, but I think that's the whole thing is 
the preamble is like, what do you do before you write an e-course or do a piece of art or write a book, right? Like with your book, didn't you do so much cogitation beforehand of, and sort and do I want it to be about this or that or boom, boom, boom. And, and, and it's about what you're really passionate about sharing or what you really want to do. Like, did you want to interview all these people that was exciting for you? Oh my goodness, that was, I think, the biggest surprise in writing a book was how much thought time there is before you write a single word. And to the point that it actually stressed me out quite a lot, thinking, I, I really need to start writing now. Like, I really need to start writing. And but and yet my brain is still going off in all these other directions and it's basically exploring. And, you know, you can, you could, sometimes it feels like it's a distraction um, and I'm, going after these shiny things you know I wonder what will happen if I go down that route but actually if you don't go wide first you've got nothing to come back to right so you kind of need to have that time and I think that's a really difficult thing sometimes to allow yourself because it can feel incredibly unproductive or not it can feel like not unproductive because you are doing stuff but the getting to the point where you realize that if you don't do that you are not going to make the best thing that you can and that that time for thought and percolation is an absolutely crucial part of the process that that was a big learning for me that is so I love that it looks like you're doing nothing so I may have told you the story Beth but so um for those that don't know my husband is like an Ivy League ER doctor okay and I'm a California hippie (laughs) artist person and so he's you know very much like get the job done and I remember many years ago (laughs) I was just like lying on the sofa and he's like, don't you have like an illustration to do for, you know, the New York Times? I'm like, I'm doing it. I said, I'm doing it. I'm working on it right now. Like, I was like, I'm working on it. You know? and, like, and he just was like, I love him so much, but he's like, I love to do that to him. Like, he just was like befuddled. What? That is <laughs> hilarious. Know? But you know what? what? I, I think our, um, our, ego sometimes do that um to us as well like you're sitting there and you're in this moment of coming up with a, a an idea but it's saying uh, you haven't done your emails for an hour you need to get on with those all the, the things on your to-do list and and you can't possibly have this like lying on the sofa time we do it to okay. ourselves don't we sometimes and it's so important to go no i need this space to allow whatever's coming to come in yeah and I think you have, you know, you just have to really value your mind. And I think what I love seeing with women now is this emergence of like, yeah, our voice matters. Our voice, this is our reality. This is, we're speaking out. Um, it's just, an, it's like I've waited my whole life for this, you know, because so much of what I've always done is about giving, helping women to give voice first started with me with my illustration career, because my style was very feminine. And that was a negative. Because at the time, most illustrators were men, it was a masculine style, it was more aggressive in color, in everything and I had to adapt to that to be successful so I had to learn um, to be more masculine in my style which was very difficult but then over time I could slowly introduce a more feminine look and my agency if you see now is very 
is women and men, but it's a, it's not an aggressive, it's, it's just, it's a more feminine style to really understand. You probably have to Google like illustration, um, from the eighties or seventies or something. And you'll see what I mean. And back then was a lot of the commissioning being done by men. Why do you think it was that that was such popular style? Um, a lot of it was male, uh, male illustrators, male art directors, and that's fine. Like I'm all for that. I just wanted women to also have their voice. And so bit by bit, I'd find (laughs) an art director who was cool or a man who had a feminine aesthetic or something. And, bit by bit. And and why is it about the aesthetic? Well, this is about our voice. And why what I'm doing with teaching e-courses is such a political act. You know, well, it's art. Is that like a political act? Yes, because when women own their voice and make their art that's truly them, it's empowering. The, it's the ultimate empowerment it's a, a valuing your mind, valuing your talent, putting it out there, and then to have economic success from your art, that's the whole deal. That's what it's all about. So it's very political in this really beautiful way. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And why do you think it is such a good time for women to be making their own living in a way that they haven't necessarily on such a wide scale Um, that they are now the internet the internet is the democratization so when you and I first got together like six years ago for doing e-courses that was so radical to be able to bypass I think we've talked about this to bypass we don't have to get somebody else some corporate CEO guy to get our deal, to understand, to have our aesthetic, to do it our way, to have the look and feel of the brand or how we want to dress or so on and so forth. We could bypass that kind of stuff. Again, not that that's bad, but it's not for everybody. And we could do it our own way and then connect with women and men who want what we have to offer. That is radical. That's the democratization of power and and economy, income. And it's- education. I mean, it's so interesting how, I mean, obviously your courses are called Make Art That Sells. And although many of the students on them do have art degrees and, you know, all sorts of professional creative training, there are also many people who are making a really great living, thanks to what you've taught them, without any of that and you know they are bypassing a system of you have to pay tens of thousands of dollars in order to have a creative career and that is a huge shift isn't it it really is it it really is it just makes it all more accessible we're we're witnessing a pretty radical transition that's for sure it's interesting that you say that when we started working together e-courses were were they i mean they really were not anywhere near as widespread as they are now it, we I really felt in the beginning that we were at a point where we had to educate people that you could go online to learn these things not even just we've got this course this is how it'll help you but did you know you can learn online it is it's 
was that different only a few short years ago. And I think it's testament to you that you are always interested in the next thing that technology is offering, the next opportunity, the next way to talk to people. And that's, you know, that's not everybody has that approach. You know, a lot of people are slow to adopt because they're nervous. They don't know what they're doing. Nobody knows what they're doing when these things are new, right? But you always seem really um, open to giving it a go and seeing how it can help you with your mission. Where do you think that comes from? Well, I think there are two parts to me. There's the one part that really loves doing new things. And the other part is like, Lila, would you stop doing this to me? You're scaring me. Like, I don't want to be on camera. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to do these things. You know, it's like I have these two parts, the scared part. And then the other is like, come on. we're doing this. <laughs> Yeah, like this looks so fun. So, um I don't know where it comes from. It's just genetic or something. Why? Where does it come from in you? How do you know? I don't know. I really don't. I'm I'm interested in um, how, I mean, just before we started um, this podcast, we were talking about trends and, um, you know, you you have an amazing sense of, of trends in the design world and just out in the world. And I've noticed over the last few years that I've really developed that. Like I can see things coming um things growing things fading um and kind of major shifts in consciousness and i think a big part of that is because i spend a lot of time online looking out in the world listening to conversations talking to all sorts of people like you um, and picking up information you know my antennae are up all the time and um, but i also think i've just got better at tuning into like what i actually think rather than necessarily Wait, what other they're the expert they must know and I think when you start to trust yourself then you can you know you can sense those things but also I'm just curious you know I'm just about the world and where things are going and who's running what and all those things because I think we're living in an amazing time of change and we can all be all be part of that I'd love to talk to you a bit about the creative careers of the people that you support because I know that there's been people who have come who came to make art themselves right in the beginning, six years ago, um, possibly with little more than a massive enthusiasm for art and a knowing that they wanted to do that instead of going to an office every day. And those people are now absolutely flying. You know, you might walk into anthropology and see their line of home decor products. You, you know, might walk into your local library and see a children's book on the shelf that they've illustrated. And they're living completely different lives. And obviously you know the courses play a part but also a massive part of it is the work that they put in and the commitment and their willingness to accept rejection and all those things you know a creative career has so many ups and downs along the way and I'd love you to just talk a bit about like how you know whether you should make the leap if you're feeling that pull and then when you're in it how to how to keep going keep keep inspired and and keep that joy well how how to make the leap you know I think um, begs the question, like, if I make the leap, will I succeed, right? Like, am I good enough? How do I know I'm good enough? I wondered this when I left San Francisco in the 80s after grad school to go to New York to try to show my portfolio and make it as an illustrator. Like, can I do this? And, and will I succeed? <clears throat> and what I say to my students is if you want it so badly and you're willing to work at it, 
then you will do it. If you're willing to put in the time and energy and learn and stay open, stay open and listen to people, listen to people that you respect and don't listen to people that aren't on the same track you're on. There are people like, oh, you'll never make a living. Well, look at their lives. Do they Are they the people that, you know, are they living the fulfilled creative life that you want or do you listen to people, you know, so it's who you listen to, but it comes back to like, I knew I am just not cubicle material. Like I just, I'm like a wild animal. I can't be in that sort of setting. You know, my studio, it's so pretty. I've got velvet chairs and flocked floral wallpaper and a fireplace and a coffee maker and pretty stuff all around. Like I knew I needed a setting like that. I wanted to wear what I wanted. I knew I was willing to work really hard. um, And I wanted to make, art for a living like to draw a picture and get paid over and over and to get manuscripts because I did a lot of editorial magazine work but also corporate and um just tons of different things and I just thought like I knew I wanted to do that that just was a burning desire so that's your gauge like from zero to a hundred how badly do you want it okay are you willing to work hard? And if you know, well, well, I want to work hard, but I procrastinate or I'm a perfectionist. Okay, that's fine. Most people are. You can figure that out. There are tools around that. That Those are issues that you can figure out. Like I always say I'm a reformed slob, which people can't believe. But like <laughs> I used to lose my keys like every day. I lost something every day. I was just so spacey add whatever but um you can you know i've obviously learned a ton of things a lot a lot of tools meditation lists organization post-it notes and it's not a problem whatsoever in fact i think my brain is different now than it was when i was so young so if your brain is malleable you can change your brain um, and become more organized and focused so don't worry about those um, issues that you feel you may have. Go back to what you're passionate about. Do you really, really want it? And are you willing to learn and grow and get better? And that's that's how it, it that's how you know. And you don't know if you're going to have a great career. I know that. I know no one can tell you. But those, I would say, are the indicators. And the beauty of me having taught thousands and thousands of people and representing so many illustrators over the years is I know who succeeds and why. I have seen people who succeed, people who don't succeed. I have seen talent grow from not so much in the artwork to amazing work. And I I know what it takes. And it's an open. So Beth's going to ask me now. What is it? What <laughs> of is course, it that? Of course, that's exactly what know? I'm going to ask you. <laughs> what does answer, it take? What does it take? An openness, an open-mindedness, a positive attitude. Not like, oh, this assignment sucks, and I don't want to do that, and da 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 da, and I don't have time. Like it's a positivity, an openness, a willingness to try, maybe a sense of humor, at least you know like laughing at if you do a crappy piece that's okay like we just did a I did the drawing faces video 
And the Which scary, is, so um, this is for a new um, a course that you recently released, right? So this is a new video-based online course that you're talking about right, right yes. now. Thank you. So the drawing in the drawing faces. So here I am recording this where I'm drawing live, right, on film. And when you draw faces on camera, you you could very easily mess up. And I did at one point. I did a face that wasn't good, and I was happy about that because you know, yeah, that's a part of drawing. Your every face isn't going to be perfect. Okay, so back to what the successful things are. Did you think I'd actually come back around? <laughs> I'm impressed with how you keep in track. <laughs> okay, so do so. I notice in my artists that I represent and my students. They work hard. They keep taking my classes. And, you know, I love my classes. Take anyone's classes. Just take classes anywhere and anyhow. Just keep learning. And they keep um, taking the classes, doing the work, putting the work out there. And I see the growth. You grow. Like if you go to the gym every day, you're going to get stronger you get better. It's a fact of life. And then nourishment, the third thing I would say is, I love to garden. So when you put a plant in the wrong spot, maybe it's meant to not get a lot of water, like a cactus, if you overwater cactus, it'll die. But if you underwater a dahlia, it won't bloom. So it's all about who you are and finding your right habitat. What's your habitat? Do you need to be around a lot of people or do you need to be alone a lot or a mix? What's going to bring out the best in you? Do you need a, a, to set up a setting, a, a table where you have your art supplies all ready for you to grab? Um, things like that. Oh, I love that. And, and that also really helps with the whole idea of rejection. Like if you're rejected and, and that you feel strong enough to look at why and look into what's happened, then often it is because, you know, it was you were in the wrong place, the market maybe, or the or the client, or the particular timing, or there's so many factors, aren't there? It's not always about you, and that's a really important thing to to know. You and with any creative endeavor, sometimes it is the fa- the case that you could do a better job, but very often it's less about the actual work and more about who's seeing it, where they're seeing it, when they're seeing it, all those things. I think that's one of the brilliant things about learning understanding you know you teach a lot about the markets for art and the you know what art directors look like and all those things I think taking yourself out of your position and putting yourself in a recipient's position and trying to see your creativity from different angles can really really help you because you realize it's not all about you which also means the rejection's not all about you Um, and you know it's a fact of life and you have to find a way to you know to deal with that and knowing that can really help along the way can't it and one good thing is when you don't get something you want is to, can you learn from it and also know that it wasn't the right fit? Yeah. It's so interesting. I just want to tell people all the time, if I didn't take you on as an artist, you want to be represented by me, like you might have been so close and I'm watching you and I hope you apply again to our global talent search I just like, I wish people could really see what goes on in the mind of an art director or an agent that you don't know how, you just don't know how close you are to getting there, but and maybe this time you didn't. So it's a numbers game. You just put a lot, 
you just keep putting your art out keep keep up with it yeah absolutely oh it's always such a pleasure to talk to you Lil. i'd love to finish off by understanding what in the grand scheme of things what do you think you want to be known for I don't know. You tell me, Beth. What should I be known for? <laughs> I think this is a really important question for all of us. I think it's a hard one to answer, um, but understanding it can really shape your decisions, I think. And it could be about the kind of person you want to be, the kind of parent you want to be, the kind of career you want to have had, what you want your obituary to say. There are so many ways of looking at it, but I think that's a really big, important question. Do you want to be known as the person who always lit up a room or the person who always you know, remembered birthdays or the person who always had a kind word to say about other people or the person who absolutely smashed her career, you know, what what is it actually that you want to be known for? I know. Being a kind mentor. Oh. Well, you're certainly doing that already for so many people. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. Uh, creativity is, is a key to freedom for so many people, but it's, it's also a road that brings with it many obstacles and challenges. And it's so great to know that there are people like you out there championing us all as we go for it. Thank you so much, Beth. And thank you for all you do for all of us and your wonderful book and this great podcast series. I completely enjoy everything that you do so thank you so much oh, the pleasure it was a pleasure mine. <laughs> so that's all for today you've been listening to me beth kempton in conversation with lilla rogers you can find out more about lilla at lillarogers.com and check out her courses at makeartthatsells.com and if you want to know more about me and get some free tools to support your journey take a look at bethkempton.com I'll be back soon with more inspiring stories. Be sure to subscribe to the Freedom Seeker Chronicles podcast so you don't miss a single one. 